I love that I have so many different people in my life who know so many different sides of me and we have different relationships that make up a full life. And I don't rely on any one of those people for everything. I get different sources of love from all those different people. Hello and welcome to the Magnetic Woman podcast. I'm Pandora Paloma, life and business coach for women. I'm an author, speaker, mum of one, an all-round miracle and magnetism supporter. It is my mission to create change, to change how women think and feel, see their power and use their feminine force to become magnetic. I help women to live a life in alignment, elevate their mindset, expand their beliefs and live their vision in life and business. Now for me, magnetism is about being flexible, resilient, in tune with intuition and really harnessing the power of our mindset and beliefs with aligned action. It's learning to let life flow, not always striving and pushing, but also learning to be open to receiving in new and magical ways. This podcast is a sprinkle of magnetic energy from my corner of the world to yours. Hello and welcome Natasha, an author of the most incredible book, I think the best book that I have read. Oh wow. <laughs> thus far in 2021, Conversations on Love, welcome. Thank you so much for having me and for reading and being so enthusiastic, it's so nice. I feel like it landed in my lap, as, as books tend to, as people tend to do, right? Exactly the moment that I was meant to read it. Oh, I love that. You know, that journey of discovery about love. And I'm interested, why love? Let's start there, shall we? Why love? Tell us a bit about what brought you to writing the book about love. Well, it's funny because somebody said to me, oh, why do you think that... Um, you're more obsessed with love than anybody else and I I was thinking first of all aren't we all fascinated by love I don't think that I'm any different to anybody else in being so mystified and fascinated by this topic because obviously it is threaded through our lives and it's so important to us but it, it is also so mysterious and so difficult and it's boring and it's beautiful and it's sometimes easy and sometimes really frustrating and on top of all that it's always changing so this thing that we you know that has the power to bring us so much joy is so complicated um and so for me I think I started off when I was younger being obsessed by love because it was just something that I could never well I felt like I could never find and you know I would always feel like if I was in a in my career, I could put in loads of effort and make things happen and go after what I wanted. Um, or if I was in a bad job, I could leave it. But in love, I felt really passive and I just felt like I was always waiting for something that was never going to happen. And it, while I could walk away from a bad job, I could never walk away from a bad relationship. I was sort of just cling on <laughs> until the bitter end. Um, so that was why I used to be obsessed with love, just because I think I could never quite find it. Or I could never quite make it work. And now I am obsessed with love more because I understand how important it is and also how, how fragile it is. And so understanding that it has the capacity to bring me this deep joy makes me want to 
think more about the challenges and work on getting better at it. Um, so I guess now it's more rather than this thing that I feel I can never quite have. I feel like it is possible and there are opportunities for it all the time. And actually the work is more on me to figure out how I can keep choosing it. Absolutely. And I think what you, the way in which you wrote the book, what for me, what made it really special is we learn, we often learn through observation, certainly from what I know, you know, working as a coach, we, we often take on beliefs and, and narratives based on what we observe. So sometimes what we learn about love is something we maybe saw, you know, when we were three, four years old. But what we, what I also know is that we get to change the patterns and the beliefs that we have created. And a lot of that can come through storytelling, you know, hearing the stories of how people have done it differently. And that for me is what the book allowed, like all of these different stories of how people had found love or how people had lost love and what people think about love now based on their experiences of it. And I suppose, what do you think was sort of the biggest learning from all of these different stories? You know, what was the, was there a conclusion? There are so many different lessons. I feel like whatever issue I'm, you know, there's always a new challenge in love for all of us all the time. And it's, it's always shifting so much. So there are specific things that I come to at whatever point I'm at in my life. But I would say, overall how it's changed the way I see love the most is I kind of approach this thinking okay how can I how can I learn enough about love that I can protect myself from all the mistakes and make sure that I don't take people for granted ever and make sure that I'm not going to get rejected and make sure that I'm not going to make the wrong decision in love and I hope that I could learn enough that I could guess to protect myself from all the pitfalls in love and now I understand much more that there are always going to be moments of difficulty in love and periods, you know, if you're in a relationship when distance creeps in or you have to struggle through something together or you have a difference of opinion and it can be quite thorny. Or if you're not in a relationship, there might be lonelier patches. There might be times when you are struggling to understand yourself. There's just always going to be that sort of rocky terrain. And actually, rather than fearing that love had been lost in those moments, now I understand that love really is how we keep trying to reach each other through those difficult moments. So all these things I'd feared and wanted to sort of sidestep are actually now other opportunities for love and I know for instance in my own marriage the more difficult chapters of our story have actually been moments that I now think have been most meaningful like the way that we've showed up for each other in those moments or the way we sort of climb back down from a fight and found a way to be vulnerable that is how you define your relationships and how you understand yourself and how you get close so that's a long-winded way of saying if I could have written my own love story I would have not included any difficult things and boring things or frustrating bits but all those pieces have formed a love story that is more beautiful than the fantasy of love I had so I've learned that it's not about avoiding the problems in love it's about kind of finding the courage to trust that you can overcome distance and difficulty and 
that you wouldn't really want to remove all that from your life because it would be a bit too boring a bit too easy <laughs> I think that really resonates with me and what I talk about when I say the book found me was I probably have just come out of something that felt quite similar to that it was a very testing time as I'm sure the pandemic has been for <laughs> for many couples you know um but there were so many different layers to the difficulties we were facing and and I had to put away because it felt right but then you know in hindsight I sort of wish that I'd had stayed and given it a bit more but at the time I didn't feel like I could be in it but I'm wondering you know it does take two people to make to be able to work through those challenges doesn't it it takes both of you to be able to show up differently and commit to working in a different way or learning a way to be together in those challenges but can I ask if you're willing to um to talk about your own love story if you found actually it felt easier to leave than to stay. And actually, because when I interviewed Esther Perel, she was talking a lot about sometimes it does take more courage to stay. And, you know, it's not a kind of narrative we have available to us as much of like, you know, sometimes she talked about the shame of staying and how it's really difficult to admit that to other people and to yourself that you're going to just sort of do the hard work of pushing through and facing the difficulties rather than leaving totally totally and I think that of course it does take more courage to stay and I think that gets to be a huge learning you know for me it was like what are the ways in which I abandon myself and not don't have the courage to stay so I sort of really was able to look at it from like an inner piece of work as well you know where else am I abandoning myself but it it sort of stems from a fear of abandonment so I'd rather leave than be abandoned Mm. so if I feel Mm. abandoned then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just go anyway because you know the fear of abandonment is greater than than leaving (laughs) you know which I'm sure a lot of people maybe resonate with so I I really understand that I think I had the opposite thing though because uh, my my issue in former relationships was more cling as I said sort of like Olympic cling on until the end because I was so afraid of being alone that the idea of being in a relationship where I was unhappy was actually less scary than the idea of being on my own which of course is a terrible <laughs> terrible uh, way to approach relationships but I didn't understand that at the time and the first interview in the book with Alain de Botton, he he talks about why really for anything you want in life, work, love, whatever it is, the best way to approach it is with an understanding that you would be okay if you didn't get what you want, because that gives you a kind of a, a knowledge that you could walk away and you'd be okay. Whereas the moment you think it's this or eternal misery, <laughs> you tolerate things that you probably shouldn't and you maybe stay when you shouldn't and you I guess just can lose yourself as I did in some relationships so yeah I maybe I could have done with a bit more of a abandonment fear so I walked away (laughs) and something that you we've talked we talked about before we started this and and you know it's heavily prevalent in the book is this idea of understanding ourselves and loving ourselves and when we can communicate with ourselves better, we can communicate with 
you know with the outer world that with other people and how much of I suppose your process was about you know learning to love yourself as much as it was learning to love and understand love well I had a real issue with self-love going in and that I hated this idea that you had to love yourself before falling in love or before anyone else could because it felt at the time just like another another failure to think oh if you can't love yourself completely and never have a negative thought about yourself and never be insecure then you'll you know no one else is going to ever love you was kind of how that narrative made me feel you know I remember a friend saying to me insecurity is the most unattractive quality and I was feeling really really insecure so not only was I feeling insecure but then I felt even worse for feeling insecure and now um I kind of went into the book with that question and I think it was Alan and Philippa Perry both said to me self-understanding is perhaps a more useful goal than self-love because actually this idea that we are going to always be in love with ourselves and always act lovingly and never be insecure or never doubt ourselves is just an unrealistic goal it's just another form of perfection that's unrealistic to aim for and actually Alan said to me really that sort of cuts you off from connection as well if you're if you love yourself totally and completely you know that doesn't there's no vulnerability in that to be honest about times when you might have doubts or times when you might not feel that way I just I don't personally believe that anyone can move through the world 100% loving themselves all the time and so I guess where I am at with it now is there are times when I'm compassionate to myself and there are times when I mess up and I probably treat myself unkindly and I know that that doesn't mean that other people won't love me it means that I still should try um, and talk to myself more kindly and find compassion and keep working on that. But like all of love, it's a project and an ongoing thing that I will try at, not something that I have to reach before anybody else can love me. Absolutely. And I remember having a conversation with a friend friend once and we were talking about, yeah, I think that idea of shifting the perspective to self-understanding versus self-love probably feels more easily available but also I think there's a lot that people loving you can show you about love you know when it's like you've got to love yourself before someone else can love you I think someone loving you can help you see yourself in a way that perhaps you haven't before and that in itself is magical it goes back to something I was speaking to my therapist about yesterday and she said you remember Pandora you need to be reminded that you matter And I was like, how do I not be someone? I don't want to be the person that needs to be reminded. And she said, everybody needs to know that they matter. You just need to be reminded of it now and again. And it really sat with me that, you know, the shame of, I felt a bit ashamed of being that person that needed to be reminded. And she, you know, helped me see that it was, that's a basic human need. We all want to know that, that we're needed and that we matter. Some people will make you feel that way so you don't need them to say it. When people don't make you feel that way, you maybe need them to say it more than they say it, you know? So it's very complex. One person I'd interviewed um, called Jill Hammond, she just said she doesn't believe in the word needy. Like it's just a 
bullshit word, but people not meeting your needs makes you that way. It's not that you are um, needy. It's like if you're feeling that way, it's probably just because you don't have reassurance or you have, you know, I certainly know that probably um, some of the men I dated would describe me as needy, but that was really because I wasn't asking for what I wanted in the relationship and I didn't feel like I could and I felt anxious. And so when you feel that way, like you say, you're looking, you're seeking reassurance because you don't have any. But with the self-understanding too, I think I just see now with all of these things, there's no sort of place that you will reach or level that you can game and crack when you get there. It's just stuff that we're going to have to be trying out and working on and thinking about all the time. And sometimes we'll slip down a few rungs and we have to pull ourselves back up again. And that's okay. And I think that being assertive in your needs, it's making me think about many of the incredible independent women that I know. I think there's a level I certainly got to where I was hyper independent. Like, I don't need you. I don't need anyone. And that in itself became a bit of a problem in my story because I wasn't allowing people in in a way. I wasn't able to take my guard down enough to say, hey, actually, can you, this is this is what I need you to do for me. You know, mm. there's a being assertive in needs because also, you know, we do have, we do have needs. You know, we're human beings. Of course we have needs. And ultimately when you're in a place where you're pretty independent, you know, maybe you've, you've got your own home, you're, you know, you run a business, you know, you don't necessarily need someone. Ultimately what people get to bring is something totally different. You know, it's it's comfort, it's connection, it's intimacy, it's, you know, all of these things that l- love brings, you know. Um, and I think it's really healthy to find a place where you can say, hey, these, these this is what I would like you to do for me. This is what will make me feel loved. You know, this is my love language. <laughs> um, and that's, it's really nice to to both be able to say, you know, these are my needs. Can you meet them? Also, when when you were talking about um, your therapist and you feeling like, oh, God, ashamed for, for needing that, that was sort of um, something I really wanted to pull out in the first chapter because I felt exactly the same when I was younger in that I kind of felt a bit of a failure for feeling lonely. I was like, why can't I just be happy on my own? You know, I'm, I would read a lot of... Um, stuff about being content going on solar holidays and making sure that you're independent and you know finding happiness on your own some of that stuff was really useful and it was about self-understanding but equally as Philippa Perry told me she was like we are humans and we need connection and actually if you don't like being on your own that's okay you can find other ways to feel connected so I think the distinction for me was that I had to separate the idea of connection from just being about a relationship and so on one hand I had to say I do want to find love and that's okay I don't have to pretend that I am going to be content single forever I have to be honest about what I want and go after it but I also have to know that just because I don't have a relationship that doesn't mean I have to be completely on my own I just have to make more of an effort to find connection in lots of different places rather than one place 
Absolutely. And as someone who has just come back from a solo, solo holiday in Scotland, a ca- in a camper van with the dog, of course, there is a part of me that would have loved to have had that adventure with a loved one. But I'm also OK with that. I think that it's sort of the mm. both isn't it? I'm OK that I went on my own and I had a lovely adventure. But I'm also going to accept that there is a part of me that would have loved a partner to have you know, experienced that with me. And it's bringing me to something I wanted to, to explore with you because you talk about it in the book, the different kinds of love and, and how we, we won't always get everything from one person. So, you know, where we think about love, we go straight to a, an intimate relationship, a partner, but, you know, our friendships and, you know, colleagues and mentors and the love that we get to experience from different places as well as, you know, as, as well as our, our partner. And that came through a lot in the book. So if you could maybe let us know maybe what you learned from that and what your biggest outtake was. I was thinking about that just this morning because I was answering some interview questions and one of them was about what's got you through the last year. And I was sort of saying laughing with the people I love, especially with my brother, because he makes me laugh the most. And uh, a friend had said to me, oh, doesn't your husband make you laugh the most? I was like, no. My brother, for me, is the place where I have that relationship and we're so silly and we have so much on each other. You know, we have years and years of layered memories and experiences. And when I'm around him, I just, I laugh so much that it's uncontrollable. And that is something I get from him, that that's something that our relationship does that no other relationship in my life does to that extent. And in a similar way, I have my friend who knows all of my career ambitions and we talk about writing and publishing and that world and again my husband has little interest in that and I wouldn't really want to talk show him that side of myself every day because I would maybe tell him the surface but it's just not the relationship we have so I love that I have so many different people in my life who know so many different sides of me and we have different relationships that make up a full life And I don't rely on any one of those people for everything. I get different sources of love from all those different people. And I guess where I started the journey is thinking I'm lonely when I was, you know, when I was single, I felt lonely. And so it was important for me to recognize all these different forms of love so that I wasn't just putting everything on the search for a relationship. But now I understand that even when I did find the romantic relationship I was looking for, actually that became even more important because if I had loaded all my expectations onto my husband, it would put so much pressure on our relationship, for one thing. And secondly, it'd be very boring just relying on one person. It just doesn't make as interesting a life. And I feel that that is, it's such a big joy in my life, feeling those different threads of personalities and experiences all coming together and that are separate from each other and who I have I guess different like different chapters of my life story it feels like and I did overlook that before you know even we're talking about siblings but my parents I never would have described that as a love story but I really do see that as a great love story in my life now and something that I really 
you know, it's not just inevitable. I think sometimes with families, it can feel like that. We've given these families and those relationships will always be there. Well, they could be there on one level, but if you don't kind of contribute to them and sort of try and get to know your parents separate to you and adults, and, and if they don't try and get to know who you are today, you won't have as rich a relationship, I don't think. So yeah, that's what the book really did. It sort of expanded my idea of love into this big, boundless thing, not only in friendships and family and, and those forms of love, but as you say, even the love we can find in purposeful work um, and particularly a love between strangers. You know, when somebody is kind to you and you're in a really vulnerable moment, I think that is a form of love. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that something that you've ever felt? You know, when you're you're feeling vulnerable and somebody just does something small or smiles or asks a question and it, you can really feel it, can't you? And I don't think people ever will know how much they meant to you in that moment. It's making me think about a time when I was in Cornwall with a friend and because we brought the dog, there were only specific beaches that we could go to. And I was, I had a back, I didn't have a backpack on. I had like a shoulder bag and then I was holding the dog and you basically, you know, it's kind of like, you know, climb, climbing down a mountain essentially. Mm beach totally worth it because it was you know awesome and clear blue waters when we got there but I was really scared and that it's quite unlike me to to feel fear in that way I haven't experienced a fear like it and I remember this woman said in front she had a a dog similar to mine what breed do you have by the way I'm just Um, she's a bedlington whippet part of the lurcher family and she said to me, sometimes it's easier to take them off the lead. Like they're very intuitive. And so I did. And then she said, give me a bag. And then she took my hand and I took that step down. And in that moment, it was just, you know, it brings tears to my eyes because I remember my best friend was behind me being like, you're okay. You're okay. I had a moment where I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. Mm. And just them both being there, obviously I love my best friend and she loves me. And, but this stranger that just, she just knew what to do. She was just doing something, you know, that was very natural to her. Let me take your bag. Right? Mm. And I made it down and it was like, oh, okay, I did it. And I remember her and the, it was just a real kindness. She was so present with me. I don't know her name or where she lives or what she does and who she is in the world, but I know that she brought me love and kindness in a moment that I needed it, you know? Mm. It's so, it's so special. And I asked lots of people to share um, when I was writing one of the newsletters, their stories with me and all these amazing stories came out and I had just asked sort of kindness from a stranger, but it was interesting how they were all in a really raw or vulnerable moment. And I think that is when that form of love shows up for us. And one of the people I've interviewed, uh, Melanie Reed, she described it as a union of the souls. And, oh no, she, sorry, that was it. She described it as the undercurrent of love and kindness that connects us all. And mm-hmm. I love to think of it like that, as this undercurrent. And then occasionally we sort of tap into it and feel it. And then we we go and we overlook it and we walk past each other all the time. And then you have these like little glimmers of it. And it does feel special.
I think in my understanding of love, you know, what I've been learning in the past, you know, this year, ultimately, so much of it has been, how can I love more? How can I love myself more? How can I understand myself more? And this beauty of just being more, being more loving, you know, that, mm. that undercurrent of we're all here together and we're all learning and we're all enough and we're all worthy we're all worthy of love you know so how do we get to express love more and it is being that person like the woman in Cornwall was for me just being present with people when they need it you know if you see someone who looks upset just smile at them or ask them if they're okay or give them a tissue you know it's the things that we don't have to do that we do that I think can have a really big impact you know there are two um sort of definitions that really helped me see that and one was a psychotherapist said to me love is a frequency that we can choose to tune into or ignore and I think I think about that all the time just you know you can move through the world in a loving way or you can move forward feeling frustrated and angry and you know that that's your choice every day but also um Eric from who wrote a book called The Art of Loving is one of the big big books on love and he said he kind of describes love as the power that produces love and he said if you're a painter it's not the object that you're painting it's the process of learning to paint and I love that because that kind of showed me why if I felt that I was lacking like for instance when I felt I didn't have a partner and I felt like my life was empty of love at at that point that's just like waiting for the object without having any interest in learning to paint isn't it it's it's, um when you do start to see love as something you contribute to and something you choose of course it's not going to replace something that you're really really longing for and I I try to be honest about that as well because I find it frustrating when someone says oh you know, love is ever, you don't have to worry about wanting a partner or wanting a baby, whatever love yours you're longing for. Because I think it's important to acknowledge that it's very difficult to want one form of love and not to find it when you'd hope to. But I do think it, seeing love in that way just helped me find forms of it that I was overlooking. And when I began to pay more attention to them, they just grew and grew and grew. Absolutely. And that frequency piece, you know, so much of the work that I do as a coach in business is, does this feel right? What does your heart say? You know, getting people into their heart and knowing that that's a frequency that they get to tune into. Mm. More, if you were operating from your heart, what would you be choosing? If you were operating from your heart, what would you be saying in this situation? Because the heart sends more signals to the mind than the mind is sending to the heart, so 80% upwards and 20% down but when we're all in our mind we're kind of you know we're not accessing this incredible wisdom of of the body and the heart and I think yeah that it is a frequency and we do have a choice to tune into it or not and you know obviously the resources that we have the education the people that we have around us will impact that but you know the, the more that we can tune into it you know I think the more that we will feel love even as you say you're not you haven't found, you know, that exact relationship that you were looking for. And I wholeheartedly agree with you that I think it's important to 
admit and be able to say I'm I'm here and I'm happy but I would love to meet someone Mm. otherwise it's sort of a dismissing of the need isn't it you know oh I'm okay I'm okay everything's fine well it's not because you would like to meet someone and it's okay for us to be vulnerable in that way and I think that's something I've you know definitely learned over the years to allow myself to be vulnerable you know I think so too and I remember when I was um trying to get pregnant people would say oh but you have your husband and you have your family and you've got so much love and of course it's true and there was part of the work that I had to do to make sure I wasn't overlooking those people and become too fixated on this one thing I wanted but at the same time it was really difficult and I did really long for that so those things don't replace that thing it's just more about how we can pull back and see the whole I guess so we know that hearts don't actually break (laughs) but it can feel like they do sometimes and something I know from my journey recently has been I think in hindsight I know that this woman was meant to come in show me a path it was the first relationship I'd had with a woman But in a strange way, I also know that she was there to sort of shatter my heart a little bit so that I could piece it back together in a different way. So we know that hearts don't break. But what do we do when we feel like our hearts are broken? (laughs) What's the journey? I mean, I am no expert in this because I think there are many times when I've handled heartbreak very badly in my life. But I would say um, the third section of the book is about loss. And I certainly learned a lot from those conversations about how to, I, I suppose this, the thread that ties all those conversations together is um, in something that Justine Piketty told me, which is that you don't get over a loss of love or broken heart. You, you know, you move through it and it, lives in you and it changes shape inside you and telling somebody oh I hope you get over it is the the worst thing you can say because you've lost somebody you don't really ever get over it um and so I, I think if I was to cope with heartbreak now I would be in less of a rush to try to you know, banish the the sad feeling or forget about it or move on. And I would perhaps try and be a bit more peaceful about sitting with that feeling and allowing myself to admit how much it hurt rather than trying to cheer up and just get on with it, which I think is often the way we feel we should deal with it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you can't dismiss it's part of your story and it will always be part of your story. And also, there is something, I suppose, the moments that I have been heartbroken have also been moments when I have connected very deeply with people or with myself or with a piece of work. There definitely is something very intense about those patches of life that um, led me to lots of new things. So it's not that I'm glad I had those heartbreaks, but it's interesting how often you can feel more open in that broken place and you perhaps are more vulnerable around other people or or even perhaps more in tune with yourself and 
certainly that's kind of when I'm always drawn to writing because I feel very creative and I feel perhaps I need to express myself in some way so strangely those all of my heartbreaks have actually been sort of like road signs in my work in a funny way Mm, it maybe gives you an opportunity to do a bit of a life audit and you know what is working for me and what isn't and where am I at and where do I want to be and I do think it in those big in the bigger challenges that we face it, it, it it's the space where we get to build resilience and you know find out a little bit more about who we are and you know where we're going. I also now understand that I wasn't as alone in the heartbreaks as I felt and for me now, when something does happen and um, and and I'm sad, I guess from speaking to so many other people and hearing so many different stories of loss and and heartbreak, I now understand that none of us can really avoid suffering. And when we are heartbroken, it can feel very lonely. But we're all just much more connected. I see now than when I first began the project and. I try to sort of pull back from my own story or experience enough to think about all the different people and all the different stories and all the different things that they've come through. And that makes me feel less alone all the time. I think that that's, it can be very easy to sort of slip into that self-pitying place where you're thinking, why me? It's only me. And of course it rarely is. Um, So I think now if I had a real loss, I would just be reaching out to other people who've had that experience and trying to remind myself of the ways that we're connected more than feeling, letting that self-pity creep in. I interviewed, um, have you heard of Kristen Neff, the self-compassion coach? Mm-hmm. And um, I guess when we're heartbroken, what we're trying to find is self-compassion. And she talked about how even though we think it's about ourselves, actually one of the biggest parts of self-compassion is seeing how we're all connected and is really feeling the similarity between our stories and the fact that we will all suffer and all those things because that does help you find compassion for yourself. And when she spoke about that, I, I really felt that to be true because just I do think when I've been most unkind to myself, it's because I have slipped into that really isolated, why me, it's only me place. And so, yeah, I think that that is a big, useful tool for the heartbroken. I really want to end on that because I think the, the, the greatest gift is for us to know that we are all connected and that there is love available in many corners. So, yeah, the types of love, the friendships, the you know the love stories with parents and brothers and sisters and and you know the conversations that we've had today it just feels very full of love thank you so much i adored the book at the the end i couldn't stop sobbing (laughs) it was just such a yeah just a beautifully written um piece of work so thank you so much and thank you so much for your time today oh thank you pandora um, where can people find you um so you can follow uh, me on instagram at natasha chloe lan or conversations underscore on underscore love on instagram too 
and yeah conversations on love is is out now amazing (laughs) i will put all of the details in the show notes thank you so much for your time thank you pandora have a lovely day lots of love bye